Come on, we are finishing the Book of Acts series. We have been in this series for 28 weeks, and if you were here last week, you might have thought we were wrapping it up, but there's still one last message. And so if you got a Bible, go to Acts 28. Acts 28, come on, we get loud about the Word of God. Last week, Paul had been bitten by a snake. He had been through a shipwreck, a storm. Every bad thing that could happen, happened to Paul. It was like the movie Pure Luck. This guy just kept experiencing one setback after another setback, but he just kept getting back up. It was like a miracle that Paul survived so many bad things. And I think that's the case for some of y'all today. It's a miracle that you've survived. So It's a miracle you're still in church. It's a miracle you're still breathing. How many of y'all should have been dead a while ago? And you're like, I don't know how I'm still here, but I'm here. It's the grace of, it's because God's not finished with you yet. Come on, he's got a testimony for you. So in Acts 28, verse 10, Paul was shipwrecked on this island. Revival broke out. God turned a wreck into revival. God's about to turn a wreck in your life into revival. And I want to title this message, Faith to Finish. Faith to Finish. Some of y'all are in a season right now where it's going to require faith to finish this season. You're in, the, you're, towards the, you're in the fourth quarter of 2022, and you need faith to finish this year better than you started. You need to finish this year not in defeat, not in depression, not in a sense of, man, what a waste of a year, but you need to finish this year in faith. Everybody say, finish in faith. Ask that person next to you, say, do you have the faith to finish, to finish? See, a lot of people have the excitement to start something. They've got the energy to start going to church, the energy to start reading their Bible, the excitement to maybe start doing something that's good, to start a good habit. But very few people have the faith to finish, to finish what they started. And so in Acts 28, verse 11, after three months, we put out to sea. So they were leaving the island that they were in. For three months, they, they were in this island they were never supposed to be in. They were supposed to be in Rome, but they went through a hurricane, and the hurricane pushed them 600 miles away from their destination. So they were almost in northern Africa, and uh, they had shipwrecked on this island, and they were finally leaving to head back to the destination they were planning to go. And they were no longer on the same ship they started on. So the ship they started on, it had broken into pieces. So now it says in verse 11, they were on an Alexandrian ship with the figurehead of the twin gods, Castor and Pollux. Now, this ship was a nice ship. This was an upgrade. What Paul realized, what we need to realize is what got you here may not be what gets you to the next thing. I can't live off of yesterday's revelation of God's word. I need a fresh, I need an upgrade today. Some of y'all need to get an upgrade, a fresh hunger and thirst. Don't have an arrival mentality with Christianity to say, you know, I'm just going to keep on coasting off what I heard in 1999 from Billy Joe Darty. No, you need a fresh revelation from the word of God in 2022 to get you to the next thing that God's called you to do. So Paul realized we need, we need to get an upgrade here. And the ship that they were on was a ship that was built in the image of false gods. What an ironic thing that false gods are at the front of this ship carrying a man who's serving the real God, who's about to preach the real gospel to the country of Italy, and he's headed towards Rome. And so it says in verse 12, we went to Syracuse, we stayed there for a few days, then we set sail and we arrived in Regium. And then it says the next day a south wind came up. Now this south wind was, was like a second wind. This wind was no longer blowing against them. This wind was blowing them towards where they needed to go. And when I was reading that, I felt like the Lord wanted to tell some people today, he's got a second wind for you. He's got a fresh wind for the season that you're in. God doesn't want you to keep on struggling. God wants to give you a fresh wind, a fresh fire to push you in your purpose, to push you in the direction he's called you. How many of y'all need a second wind right now? A second one. You could just use like some, just some fresh momentum. You just need some strength. I remember uh, Ashton and I, we were running a half marathon together and, um, and right near the end, I was struggling. On mile 11, I was like, I'm done. I can't keep doing this. There was a garage sale going on on the run. It was like, we were in Jinx. It was a Jinx half marathon. I was like, I'm just going to go to the garage sale. They got donuts over there. Krispy Kreme is calling my name. Peace out. You know, I was ready to just throw in the towel. And Ashley goes, don't stop, don't stop. Get your second win, get your second win. She's like shouting at me. She's like, come on, don't you quit on me, Paul. 
And that was just what I needed. Just, just those words of encouragement. I started running and I felt a second wind to finish strong. God wants to give you a second wind to finish strong. Not everybody who starts finishes, but if you could get a second wind. So this south wind began to blow and it pushed them to Italy. They landed first in Puteoli and then they found some believers, some brothers and sisters who took care of them for a week and then they finally made it to Rome. Once they got to Rome, Paul was assigned to a rental house. Here he was a prisoner, but he got set up with favor. God's about to turn your prisoner season into a season of favor. Paul was protected. He got to stay there for two years, unhindered, preaching the gospel, welcoming everyone. who came. He had Uber Eats. People were dropping food off for him. People were bringing him meals every day. He was taken care of. God provided for him. God's going to be faithful to you if you'll just be faithful to do what he's called you to do. And so then it says three days later, Paul began to share the gospel with a group of Jewish brothers and sisters. They had not heard about Christ. They didn't know about Jesus. So Paul starts preaching to them starts breaking the scripture down. And verse 23, they said, we need to get more people to hear this message. So a big group of people came to Paul's house. He opened his doors and he began to witness to them. It says from morning till evening, he explained the kingdom of God. They started at about 9 a.m. and went till about 9 p.m. I thought about preaching from morning till evening to you guys today. But I'm going to keep it short. I'm going to keep about 40 minutes, 35 minutes. Then we're going to go into worship. But Paul preached. Now watch this. This is encouraging for anyone who's ever witnessed and you haven't seen good results. Like if you've ever shared the gospel for me, there's sermons I preach and only one person responds at the altar. And sometimes I go, man, I must be terrible at this. Maybe I should just quit. But Paul was anointed by God, wrote half the New Testament, preached about 12 hours that day. And look at the results after his sermon. After he got done in verse 24, only a few people were convinced by what Paul the apostle had to say, and the rest of the people would not believe. Now that's, that's kind of encouraging for anyone out there who's ever experienced not the greatest results. Keep on preaching. Keep on preaching. Paul would go on to be one of the greatest evangelists of his time. If you get hung up on one bad day, on one bad sermon, on one moment where things aren't the best results, you'll miss out on all the great things that God has. has. Somebody said, keep on keeping on. So people disagreed and they said, Paul, this is, we are not going to listen to what you have to say. This is rubbish. And Paul said to them, the Holy Spirit talked about you through the prophet Isaiah. Go to this people and speak the word and tell them they will be ever hearing, but never understanding. Tell them that they will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. They'll see it. They'll hear it, but they won't receive it because their hearts in verse 27, their hearts have become hardened to the word of God. Now I want to show you one more passage. It's in second Timothy chapter four, because this is the end of the book of Acts. And Paul was realizing he had a few years left to preach. He had a few years left to live. And he wrote one of his final letters in 2 Timothy chapter 4, before Paul was killed, before he would be beheaded by Nero, and his, his, he would become a martyr for the Christian faith. He told Timothy, he says, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction, for the time will come and is already here where people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, there will be people who suit their own desires. They will gather around them a great number of teachers to say whatever their itching ears want to hear. Paul could feel it that day in Rome. He could feel it that the world was becoming more and more hardened to the things of God. He said they will turn their ears away from the truth and they will become obsessed with things that make them happy, myths that make them feel good but carry no weight at all. And then he looks at Timothy and he says, but you keep your head, finish in faith, keep your head. It's kind of ironic that Paul would say, keep your head when he's about to lose his head. He wasn't talking about your physical head. Paul would realize I'd rather lose my physical head, but keep my spiritual head. I, in other words, I would rather live for Christ and die a martyr's death then compromise my faith so I can live a little bit longer here on this earth, but lose my real head spiritually when I step into eternity. 
Don't fear the one who could take your body. Remember, your soul is more important than your body. So he says, keep your head, keep your head. In other words, keep your faith. Keep your head in all things. Don't compromise. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Empower other people to carry the work of the ministry with you. And then he says this. Verse 6. Verse 6. 2 Timothy 4, verse 6, if we've got that. He says, for I am already being poured out. I got my bottle of water. He says, I'm being poured out like a drink offering. Now, we come to church and we give to God our worship. We lift our hands. We sing our songs. We get water baptized. We say, okay, Lord, I'm going to surrender my life to you. We tithe. We give 10%. But Paul says, don't save anything for the next life. Give everything you have to God. Love, serve, give generously. Miles Monroe said the wealthiest place in the world is the graveyard because it's the place where people have kept water inside them that they were supposed to pour out. Businesses they never started. Money they never gave away. By the way, if you hold all your money to yourself, one day you will die. We all will. Paul the apostle died. Peter died. The Bible says it is appointed unto every person to die. And at the end of your life, your money will end up with somebody else. Your truck will go to somebody else. Your house will go to somebody else. We can't take any of that with us into eternity. Paul said, I have been pouring my life out. Everything I've got, my time, my talent, my treasure, my energy, my life has been like an offering, not just a tithe, but 100%. I want to give everything. I want to spend all of my life. I want to empty my life out for the kingdom. Don't save anything for the next life. Listen, this is a word for some of you. You are not promised tomorrow. If you're going to finish in faith, you've got to finish with everything you've got. Stop living like you have another 50 years left. We don't know what tomorrow holds. So encourage all you can. Love all you can. Apologize for what you can. Forgive. Don't save anything for the next life. Spend it all. Paul says, I fought the good fight. And I finished the race. And I've kept the faith. When Acts 28 ends, it ends abruptly. And we don't know what happens. And really, the challenge is that Paul is, is finishing his last two years in Rome before he preaches a little bit more and then he's, his life is taken. But it ends abruptly because I believe God wants to keep writing the book of Acts through the church today. I believe that God is not finished with the miracles he wants to do. There's some people in America who believe that the miracles stopped 2,000 years ago, that the Holy Spirit stopped moving. But we here at Victory, we know that the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the miracles and the power of God has not stopped. We've seen it here in our services. We've seen it online. People getting healed, people getting set free, and he wants to keep working through you. So Lord, I pray that you would speak to us today, God. Teach us how to finish in faith. Lord, I pray for a second wind, a fresh wind, a fresh fire of the Holy Spirit to fill us today in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. Thank you so much, Israel. Can we give the worship team a big hand? Come on, what a powerful, powerful team. I want to give us just a couple ways from the book of Acts that we can learn to finish in faith, some things we can take away from this Series number one, we need the Holy Spirit to live out our Christian life. You cannot, I cannot finish in faith in my own strength. I will be exhausted. I need the Holy Spirit. This is why Jesus said in Acts chapter one, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Stay in Jerusalem. Stay in the place to receive the strength that you need. I got a word for some of you today. Stay in the place that God has planted you in and watch as he begins to give you power and strength to live out the Christian life. We are not supposed to do it in our own strength, and our own flesh. It's time to uh, uh, tell the DIY lifestyle, do it yourself, self-made Christian. It's time to get rid of that and it's time to be a spirit-empowered believer. We can't do it without the Holy Spirit. Number two, if it's a heavy burden, it's not the Holy Spirit. Now, in the very first week of the book of Acts, if you were here when we started preaching this series about six months ago, I lifted up this podium right here. This is really heavy. I think it's gotten heavier since the series started. It's about 150 pounds, y'all. And I talked about 
the heavy burdens that some of us carry. Are you carrying the heavy burden of the outcome? I'm going to set this down. This is way too heavy. Or are you carrying the burden of obedience? This is a whole lot lighter than this right here. If you're carrying this, you will be crushed by the exhaustion of thinking that the outcome is on you, right? So when COVID hit, I thought the outcome was on me. I thought, I, I've got to figure out how to make sure that we still have tons of people coming to church and that we're still reaching people. And I got to make sure that we got all the food and it's all on me. And, and I've got to determine what the mayor is going to do. I can't control the mayor. I can't control the governor. I can't, I can't control what my kids might do or say but I can control what I do. And when I'm carrying the burden of obedience, it's a whole lot. Jesus told his disciples, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. So if it's heavy, it's not holy. Now, some of us in our religious complex minds, we go, no, it's got to be heavy. It's got to be exhausting. Christianity is supposed to crush the life out of me. I'm supposed to feel the weight of worry and anxiety every single day. No. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. Pastor Ty, will you help me real quick? I just want to make sure people realize how heavy this is. Will you lift this up? And I want you to just carry it, just walk with it. How heavy is that? It's real heavy. How heavy? At least 150. At least 150. Okay, set it down. Imagine if you had to carry this with you. Some of you are carrying the burden of the outcome of your kids, and you think it's on you. And I'm telling you, you will be crushed thinking it's up to you. The second you realize, I can't control what my kids do, but I can control what I'm going to do. I can't determine what my country does, but I can determine what I'm going to do. Obedience, we've got to redefine success in our lives. Success is not the outcome. Success is obedience. Success is not the reward. Success is obedience. It is the action of obeying. Dr. Cho, he said, I pray and I obey. Pastors, the largest church in the world. They said, what is the secret to the success of your church reaching a million people a week in Seoul, South Korea? He said, I pray and I obey. It's very simple. Stop complicating the Christian journey. Stop carrying the burden of outcome. You know what happened when COVID started? I had a panic attack because I, I literally thought, what am I going to do? We're going to have to like shut down the church, the school, the college, Camp Victory, the Tulsa Dream Center. We won't be able to feed anybody. And I just heard the Lord say, God favors the bold. And so I said, okay, what does that mean? And the Lord just said, just obey, Paul, just obey. What have I asked you to do? Just find a way to serve people in a crisis. Just minister to people in the middle of a virus. Don't let the virus have the victory. Just make the decision that you're going to serve and minister however you can. So we got up on the roof and we started preaching. And you know what? I couldn't determine how many cars were going to show up that first night, but I could determine that I was going to get up and preach. I couldn't determine what the mayor would do or what the governor would do or what would happen out there, what Dr. Fauci was going to do. That's too heavy for me to carry. I can't carry Dr. Fauci. That's too heavy, but I can carry Paul David. I can carry my personal obedience to do. So we showed up, we started preaching. I asked the Tulsa Dream Center, I said, hey, can we, can we give food out in North Tulsa and South Tulsa? They said, we only got 5,000 bags of groceries. I said, let's give what we can and let's pray that Jesus multiplies the loaves and the fishes. We ran out the first night. 4,000 cars, 4,000 people showed up. Over 1,000 cars filled our parking lot. We gave away every bag we had. Now, after that night, I could have gone back to the burden of the outcome and go, Okay, I just invited everyone back tomorrow night for another rooftop revival service, and we have no more food to give. And we were still trying to figure it out. But I decided, Lord, we're going to trust you with the outcome. We're going to obey, and you're going to show up. See, the outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is my responsibility. It goes, it goes this way for your kids. It goes this way for your company. It goes this way for the church. You are not God. You are human, and that should relieve you of the burden you've been carrying. The early church had to realize our job is to preach. It's God's job to do the miracles, right? Our job is to lay hands on the sick. It's God's job to bring. The outcome is not up to you. Obedience is your person. So here's what happened. The next night, some business guys said, how much bags of groceries do we need? We said, well, we ran out. We need a lot. They said, how many did we give away? We said 5,000. They said, let's get another 5,000 more bags. How much, how much does it cost? I said, I don't know. Ask Daniel Henshaw. Ask Jeff Guter. They know the finances here. And well, over the next few nights, we had businessmen in our city 
who started blessing people with grocery bags. Then the White House called. Then the governor called and said, I am so proud of what you guys are doing in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Keep on reaching people. The world needs a church that is essential. If cannabis shops are essential, the church is essential. If liquor stores are essential, if Walmart Walmart is essential, then Victory Church is essential. I couldn't control what other churches did, but I could control what I was going to do. And as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord in a famine and in a feast. We don't just serve when things are well. We serve when things are bad. We're obedient, not based on the circumstances, but based on our conviction in Christ. If it's heavy, it's not holy. If it's light, all of a sudden it got lighter. And then we, within six weeks, we had served a million bags of groceries. Then within, by the end of the year, we served 16 million bags of groceries across the Midwest from Oklahoma all the way up to North Dakota, all the way down to Texas, all the way around Missouri, Arkansas. Churches were coming to White House, called us. Farmers to families started working with us. We became a hub all because we decided we're just going to obey. See, when you let go, and I'm going to leave this down here at the altar because some of us are carrying our burdens Everywhere we go, you need to lay your burdens down at the altar and pick up the yoke that is easy, the burden that is light, the burden of obedience. Number three, how do we finish in faith? We remember that Jesus is the head of the church. Y'all, I'm not the head of the church. You're not the head of the church. The Pope is not the head of the church. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. Here's one thing I've realized through the book of Acts. There was a whole lot of people that weren't perfect, but God kept moving. Why? Because he cares about the church more than you do. We don't gather for a personality. We gather for the presence of Jesus Christ. We don't gather for hype. We gather to encounter Jesus, who is the head of the church. Number four, the Holy Spirit makes the church unstoppable, resilient, powerful, unbeatable. Listen, when the Holy Spirit came upon that early church, you couldn't stop them. Snake bites, storms, shipwrecks, People stoning Paul to death. Paul was stoned to death. And I'm not talking about stoned. I'm talking about stones. You got to explain that in Oklahoma because we got cannabis every half mile. Listen, we, we need the Holy Spirit. You want the greatest high you can get? Get the Holy Spirit. He will make you unbeatable and resilient. That doesn't mean we're exempt from storms. It means we have a powerful force in the middle of our storms. You couldn't knock them down. I almost had this illustration on stage that I've used before of this guy who like flies in the wind. He's a flappy red guy. He's the, he's, you know, like they have him in front of car shops and like he blows in the wind. You know what I'm talking about? He gets knocked down. He keeps bouncing up again. I don't have a picture of it, but I was going to use it. And then I was thinking that that thing is only good when it's plugged in with electricity. You got to get plugged into the power. But then I thought a better illustration is the people in the room. You are a living illustration of a resilient church. You are a living illustrated sermon of an unbeatable church. Here we are 42 years later, and the devil can't stop victory. The gates of hell will not prevail against a spirit-empowered church. Number five, spirit-filled churches still deal with human deficiencies. Can I get an amen in the house? Anyone sitting next to somebody with some issues. You are that person as well. The early church had issues. Peter, he cut a dude's ear off, but he still preached on Pentecost. And he got angry with other Jewish brothers and sisters. And Paul got mad at Barnabas, and Barnabas got mad at Paul, and Mark got mad at Paul, and Paul got mad at Mark. They had problems, but God still moved through. Aren't you thankful God still moves through humans with human issues? Come on, that's good news for you. If God moved through Peter and Paul and James and Barnabas, he can move through you and your son and your daughter and your mom and and whatever problems you've walked through. If you've been through divorce, you've been through abuse, if you've been through pain, if you've made mistakes, listen, your failures aren't final. The early church realized that even in the middle of their deficiencies, the Holy Spirit still showed up. We're not immune from fleshly moments. But when we got the Holy Spirit moving through us, we get stronger, we learn from our mistakes, and we keep getting, listen, a righteous man may fall seven times, but he gets back up again. Number six, not everyone who starts with you finishes with you. If you're going to finish in faith, you can't be looking at the lanes next to you. What happened? They were running with me. Why did they drop out? 
And it's sad sometimes because you're thinking where Paul was thinking this in, in the book of Acts. There were certain disciples who just left. In fact, in 2 Timothy 4, verse 10, he tells Timothy, he says, come to me quickly for Demas has forsaken me. Demas is one of those disciples you don't hear a whole lot about. It's because he started great, but he never finished. You don't hear about the names of people who never finished. If you do, you don't hear them in the best light. In this case, Demas's name is mentioned only once or twice. He was a guy who had extreme excitement in the beginning, but it faded as he started looking at the world. He started craving things outside the church and he just gave up on the faith. He just deconstructed it at all and just walked away. Not everyone who starts with you finishes with you, but keep on running. Keep on finishing every season in faith. Number seven, praise and worship is a weapon against the darkness. When we were studying Acts 16 about two months ago, we talked about Paul and Silas. Here they were in the dark. They had been thrown in prison for their faith. And they decided to have some jailhouse rock. They decided to have some jailhouse worship. They had a captive audience listening to them. They had their chains on. See, it's one thing to worship when you're in church. It's another thing to worship when you're in a dark moment, when you don't feel like worshiping. And they started singing in the darkness. See, worry is a weapon against you, but worship is a weapon for you. You can worry or you can worship when you're in a dark season. If you're going to finish in faith, you're going to have to lift up a shout of praise and worship. And worthy is your name, Jesus. You deserve the praise. Worthy is your name. And worthy is your name, Jesus. You deserve the praise. Worthy is your name. They learn to worship as a weapon against depression. Can I tell you that worship still works against discouragement and depression? When I'm feeling defeated, I have to praise my way into victory. I've got to talk my way into victory. I've got to learn to worship past my feelings. I don't just worship when I feel like worshiping. I worship even when I don't. The best time to worship is when you don't feel like worshiping. The most important time to be in church is when you don't want to be in church. Because when I feel like it, it's easy. But when I don't feel like it, that's when I get the breakthrough. The breakthrough comes when I push past my feelings. Number eight, a divided world needs a united church. Listen, the early church in the book of Acts, they saw that there was division all around them. And at times there was division even among them. Brothers and sisters getting mad at each other, fighting each other. Sometimes I'm pulling arrows out of my back and I'm like, hey, dude, I'm on your team. You ever felt like that friendly fire by brothers and sisters in Christ? Five of y'all have been, been through that? Be Okay. Well, welcome to the club. The five of us will just start a connect group. But here's the deal. We got to stop. We've got a bigger enemy to shoot arrows at than our own brothers and sisters in Christ. There is a big There's a bigger power of darkness than those people in the church that you don't get along with or other denominations. Listen, the, the, the world is divided out there. It's time that the church get united in here. If we're going to conquer the spirit of darkness, we've got to come together. A three chord strand cannot be easily broken. Number nine, you can't walk in victory if you talk in defeat. Listen, some of us in this room, we have, we have taken on a language of discouragement. So we're just talking ourselves into this place of, man, God's done with me. God's never going to change that situation. We won't see a miracle. We'll never get pregnant. I'll never get married. Stop talking yourself out of the promises that God's put in your heart. Stop talking yourself out of a spirit of faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. At the end of the day, we're faith people. This is what Ash and I say. I want the band to come out. Ash and I say this to each other. At the end of the day, we're faith people. Just say that with me. At the end of the day, we're faith people. Which means that if I am faced with a circumstance and I can choose fear or faith, I'm going to choose faith. 
At the end of the day, if I could say something negative about somebody or a situation or the church or the world, I'm going to choose to say something positive because at the end of the day, if I don't have something good to say, I'm not going to say it at all. I'm going to choose to speak a message of victory, right? You can't walk in victory if you talk in defeat. Number 10, repentance leads to refreshing. The early church realized that they had to repent if they were going to experience. Peter, he started preaching on the day of Pentecost, and he said, listen, repent, and times of refreshing will come. Now, repentance is not a public false humility, public apology. Repentance is between you and God. The actual word repent means to change one's mind, to change one's way. And when you begin to change, when you say, Lord, work in me, God, I need you. Lord, I repent of my sin. I am done with the darkness. Lord, I want your light. When you make that decision to repent, I'm telling you, times of refreshing will come. A second wind is on the way. You want to experience a fresh wind, a fresh fire? Just draw near to the Lord and say, God, I need you. Lord, I turn from wicked ways and I turn towards you. And I ask you to fill my heart afresh and anew. Repentance brings revival. Repentance leads to refreshing. We need to get our cup overflowing again. The other day I was at Quick Trip and I was getting a, oh, maybe I was at Come and Go. Where do they sell the big gulps at? Quick Trip? One of those gas stations. I was there and I was getting my drink and it started to overflow. Somebody say overflow. It started going across my fingers, my hands. Somebody was watching. They were like, dude, that's enough. And I was like, more than enough. Overflow. Come on. How many of y'all want to have an overflow relationship with Jesus Christ? See, some of us, we're coming to church and we're like, I'll just take a little bit. Note takers are history makers. I want to overflow. I want to get as much of Jesus as I can get because I need more Jesus in my life. I need more of the Holy Spirit. Y'all, if we're going to make it through these dark times in our world right now, confusion all around, we need the overflow of the Word of God. We need the overflow of the presence. Next week, we're going to have a worship weekend, and we're just going to overflow. We're going we're gonna to take communion together. We're going to do a healing altar call. We're going to worship through the whole service. We're going to praise. You might be, you know, someone that goes, how am I supposed, am I going to get to sit at all? Yeah, you could sit for a little bit, but I'm telling you, you may not want to sit. You may just want to stand up and overflow with a fresh anointing of God. God wants to give you fresh wind and fresh fire. Some of you have come in today and you've come straight out of the world. See, a world that's filled with so much spirits out there. That's what they call the liquor stores, the spirit store. You need, you need a real spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. You need the overflow. You need the refreshing of God. I got a text message the other night, and they said, um, someone who I haven't talked to in a while, they said, Pastor Paul, you're on at 12.30 in the middle of the night in all the bars in Tulsa. And... Uh, and they sent a picture to me of Victory Church just being played on the bars in Tulsa TV where, where the pool tables are and people drinking. Come on, victory is just invading every space. The world needs victory. I said, come on, that's where I want to be. If there's any place I want to be, I want to be in the bars preaching the gospel. But we need an overflow. Number 11, the right identity produces the right activity out of your life. Don't get this mixed up. I've gotten this mixed up. As a pastor's kid, I thought I had to produce the right activity in order to earn the right identity. I thought I've got to be religious. I've got to check all the marks. I've got to be good. I've got to behave myself well. I've got to make sure I don't embarrass pastors Billy Joe, Daddy, and Pastor Sharon, Mommy. I felt like I had to achieve in order to receive. And it, it drove me to a place of exhaustion. I was performing for God instead of drawing near into a right relationship with Jesus. When I was 18 years old, something shifted. I was saved, but I experienced a real encounter with Jesus when I was 18. I realized I've got to get the right identity first. It's receive in order to achieve. 
It's received the identity. I am a child of God, not because I behaved well this week, not because I got it all together, but because I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He died on the cross for my sins. He rose from the grave. He's called me his own. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm no longer a slave to sin. I am a child of God. And from that right identity flows the right activity. If you were here a couple weeks ago, I preached from the Lion King. I talked about Simba and Mufasa. How many of y'all were here for that? Okay, so we talked about how he had to remember whose he was so he could know who he was. If you don't know whose you are, you might have grown up with an abusive dad, but let me tell you this, your father in heaven is not abusive. You might have grown up with an absent father, but your father in heaven is not absent. You might have grown up with with parents who said, you've got to perform in order for us to love you. But the Father in heaven says, I love you before you ever performed anything well. I loved you when you were far from me. I loved you in your worst moment. And when I received the love of God, and when I received the sonship and the adoption of God, I'm able to walk in the ways of God. Grace is not the license to sin. It's the empowerment to win. So his identity produces, all right, number 12, God's presence produces power that propels you to persevere in all things. I'm almost done. Y'all are like, how many points does this kid have? 17 points. I'm almost done. Number 12, God's presence produces power. This is why we gather. This is why we worship. In his presence. In his presence, there's fullness of joy. In his presence, there's power for Monday. There's power for Tuesday. There's, there's power for Wednesday to propel me into my purpose. I'm all about worship. I love worship. I love the presence of God, but it's not meant for me to just stay within the four walls of church all day, every day, 24 seven. It's meant to send me out into my assignment during the week with power to handle the situations I got to raise my kids, to be the light that I'm called to be, to work hard at my job, to not quit. It gives me power to persevere in all things. So I gather on Sunday and I gather on Wednesday and I get there for my prayer connector and I get all that filled up with power and I overflow for the rest of my week. Number 13, storms are inevitable. This is for all of us. We're all going to face storms, but misery is optional. I don't have to live miserably depressed just because I'm going through a storm. Paul the apostle, he said, I think myself happy. I I rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, and again, I say, come on, you don't have to be miserable. You don't have to be a toxic person just because you're going through a toxic situation. You don't have to let the storm get inside your boat. How does the boat stay afloat when the storm is out there? You don't let the water get inside. You keep on coasting. You keep on sailing. You keep on moving forward. You rejoice. You choose not to be miserable. Number 14, God may not stop the snake bite. So Paul was bitten by a snake in Acts 28 but he will stop it from killing you. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Any tongue that rises against you stands condemned. In other words, there's going to be stuff that comes against you. There's gonna be snake bites, but you have a powerful God who's able to stop the poison. I will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. There's a reason you're still alive today. It's because God has a message for the mess you've been through. He's got a testimony for the test you've walked through. He's going to turn your wreck into a revival. Number 15, you can get bitter or you can get better, but you can't do both. I've never seen a bitter person get better in life. I've also never seen a better person get bitter about life. You've got to choose one or the other. When I'm bit, I either get bitter or I get better. The early church, they walked through adversity, persecution. People hated them. Paul preached messages where like nobody got saved. And instead of getting angry at people, he just decided, I'm gonna get better. Somebody say, I'm gonna get better. I'm gonna get better. Thank you for for the opportunity to help me get better. You need to thank your haters for the opportunity to get better. You need to thank everybody who shot an arrow at you. Thank you for giving me a chance to get better at life. Number 16, whatever you do, don't you quit ever. Keep moving forward. Whatever you do, don't you quit. You know, Grand Grand over here, she's 98 and a half years old, and she is still showing up to church every Sunday. She works full time at the church, 40 hours a week. She's my secretary. She loves God. She loves people. This morning, she leaned over to me. She said, I had a little trouble getting here today. I said, what happened? She said, I had to wait for AAA to get there and fix the car so I could get here. But I got here. I got here. 
I got here. She said, and I watched the 9 a.m. service too online. I watched the 9 a.m. service. You know what? Grand Grand's a fighter. She's a finisher. She's not going to finish with a whole lot of, she's giving it all she's got. When I finish my life, I want to be like Grand Grand. I want to give it all I got. Whatever you do, don't quit. This last week I preached in Indiana and, and uh, took us a little while to get there. Had a couple delays, a couple detours. We had to drive from Cincinnati because our, our plane couldn't get us into Indianapolis in time, but we finally got there. And I preached for Lester Sumrall's grandson. Lester Sumrall was my dad's mentor. He wrote a book called Don't Quit because when he was in his late 60s, he almost died from fever and dysentery. He was riding on a donkey in 100 degree weather, going to preach the gospel in a village on a mountain where no one had gone to share the gospel. He fell off the donkey in his late 60s and he almost died, but he decided to get back up and press through. He preached the gospel, ended up getting healed, went on to finish his life with greater ministry in his 70s than the ministry he had in his 20s and 30s. He started a, a feeding program called Feed the children. Then he started a TV network, started sharing the gospel. You don't have to finish defeated. You can finish better than you started. Your latter years can be greater than your former years. Here's the last point right here. Number 17, Jesus is the name above all names. I want you to stand your feet all over this place. The name that's above cancer, the name that's above divorce, the name that's above addiction, the name that's above anxiety, the name that's above depression, the name that's above uh, uh, defeat, the name that's above loss, the name that's above death, Jesus is his name. And the disciples, every time they were walking through a test, every time they needed strength, they would call on the name of Jesus. They would speak the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Can I tell you, we're gonna finish today with the second wind. We're gonna go into this, this is the fourth quarter of 2022. You got two and a half months left and the enemy has stolen enough from you. It's time to point your finger at the devil and say, I'm finishing in faith. You will not win in my finances. You will not win in my health. You will not win in my relationships. Satan, you're defeated. <laughs> Satan, you have no authority over my next chapter in life. So here's what I want to encourage you with today. If you need a second win, if you need fresh strength, I want you to just leave your seat, come down to the altar. If you just need a touch from the Holy Spirit, just you don't even have to raise your hand, just step out. If you need to get things right with God today, just come down to the altar. If you need prayer today, and we're just gonna worship. We're gonna take the next few minutes to just receive the power from on high, to receive a second win. Lamar, Don, will you lead us into this? And I just want you to just encounter the presence and the power of God this morning.
tasted your goodness I'll trust in your promise I'm gonna wait on you I'm gonna wait on you I'll taste your goodness I'll trust in your promise Cause worthy Fresh drink, fresh grace, fresh faith, fresh joy. He loves you. He forgives you. He's with you. He's not against you. He's for you. He's going to give you fresh wind, fresh fire. A second wind is coming. A second wind is on the way. You're going to finish better than you started. You're not done. You're not done, and he's not done. He's not finished with your story. Give you strength. Oh, worthy, 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 worth
Now, just for a moment, just receive his presence this morning. Just kind of hold your hands out just in a receptive way as if he's just pouring out the grace you need, the mercy you need, the strength you need. He's relieving that heavy burden. He's saying that that heavy burden of the outcome, let it go. Lay it at the altar. All you need to do is obey. Obey. Just release it to God. Give the results to God. Give the results to God. And just say, Lord, I I release it to you and I'm going to finish in faith. I'm going to have the faith to finish what you've called me to do. Lord, I thank you for a second wind. When the disciples were in the upper room, they were praying together. They were united. They were in one accord. And it was like the Holy Spirit came in that room like the sound of a rushing wind. It filled the whole place they were in. And tongues of fire appeared above their heads. And they began to speak in other tongues. And as they began to pray in those tongues from that place, God propelled them with power to persevere through all the things they would walk through, to walk in their specific assignment, their purpose, to reach their city. So Lord, I thank you today, God, that you're breathing fresh wind and fire. God, power, Lord, for our purpose, strength. God, I thank you, Lord, those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like an eagle. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Lord, I thank you today, God, that we're reminded worship is our weapon against discouragement, against exhaustion. God, that we're going to worship our way into victory this week. We're going to worship our way into faith this week to finish. Lord, I thank you that he who started this good work in us is faithful to finish what he started. Just pray this with me. Say, Jesus, I receive your grace. By faith, I receive strength power from the Holy Spirit. I receive your forgiveness. I repent of my sins and I receive refreshing overflow more than enough to do what you've called me to do, to walk in victory. My test will be a testimony. My mess will be a message and I'll point people to you. I'm all yours, God. I want to live my life as a drink offering poured out for you. I'm all yours, God. Move in me, move through me for your glory. I receive a second wind, fresh wind, fresh fire, fresh strength. In Jesus' name, amen.